0: Garcon, coffee! Wanna buy some death sticks? Welcome to the Coffee and Death Sticks podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchant. Danny and I are looking back to the 20th anniversary of the next film in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Two Towers. Around this time last year, we both revisited the fellowship of the ring for me. It had been a long time since I've seen it. So therefore it's the same with the two towers. I have not seen any of these. I had not seen any of these movies in like 10, 15 years, which is crazy because they are like three of my favorite movies that I have watched so many times. Watch it again today as did Danny. Danny, when you think of the two towers specifically out of the trilogy, what comes to mind? Blue. The color blue. blue. There's a lot of blue. A lot of blue. Were they doing day for night a couple times, a couple scenes? I think they
1: were doing night, and just the lights Mm -hmm. they used were very blue. Um,
0: Very blue. This
1: is the closest Peter Jackson movie comes to a James Cameron movie. It's just very blue. (laughs) Um, But no, in in all seriousness, when I think of The Two Towers, I think of... How much I love this film. <laughs> and I mentioned last year that Fellowship is pretty much probably hard to, you know, ever pick one, but that's like my favorite movie. I can watch it okay. all the time. However, there was a long stretch where The Two Towers was my favorite Lord of the Rings movie. I thought it was the best one, and it had to do with other things besides the Thords, it wasn't just Helm's Deep of course it was 100% just Helm's Deep, but I just I've always really liked this one. Um interestingly, Return of the King has never been my favorite. Although I love that movie, but my anytime I've had a favorite Lord of the Rings movie, it's always been either The Two Towers or Fellowship of the Ring. Um they just have they just have there's just magic in them.
0: Yeah. We forgot to remind ourselves at the start of this to see how long we could go without saying Helm's Deep, and that's already been broken. <laughs> it is two minutes in. We won't talk in depth about Helm's Deep yet, but yeah, I think this one, there's almost more risk of member berries than there was with The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, hell yeah. And, and just like, wasn't that part awesome? And wasn't that part awesome? And hey, remember when Aragon opened that door? Wasn't that awesome? There's a lot of that in this movie. (laughs) Um, This is the first one I saw in theaters.
1: We didn't didn't see the first one in theaters. We saw it on DVD. And it was so good that I felt like I had just been to the theater. Like, that's how Mm. transformative it was. But this is the first one I saw in a theater. So, I think that's a big part of the reason why it was my favorite for so long is because I had seen it in its, you know, proper context i've still never seen fellowship on the big screen which is wild to me but uh yeah
0: yeah these ones are not movies i've seen do any sort of uh you know uh see them back in theaters yeah. any re-release for this anniversary for these anniversaries or anything else like that whereas a lot of our other favorites like you know the raiders of the lost ark movies and back to the future and stuff are often replaying in some sort of what bantam event or whatever it is in theaters but yeah i haven't seen these that i can think of i'm sure they have at some point but i would love to go back and see these three on the big screen i did see all three of them i saw the return of the king i think three times the other two i only saw once yes i saw this one long. twice And I saw the third one three times. Okay. For symmetry. And then you saw the first one zero times. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So one day you need to just see fellowship only in in a theater. Exactly. Once. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to also hope that we don't, again, at the risk of saying this is awesome. And remember that our thoughts on these three movies are remarkably similar because I also, for the longest time, this was my favorite of the three. I think the third one was my favorite for like a month or something like that. At one point it was briefly, but it's been primarily one and two, and it's been one for for like the longest time now. I don't think one will ever be replaced, especially after just watching these two back to back. I still love this movie. It will be one of those childhood movies that I adore forever. It'll never fall off like the f- top 15 or 20 favorite movies of all time list. There are some nitpicky things with this. Oh, sure. And I, it, when I loved it, when it was my favorite of the three, it was when I was younger and like when they came out, right? And it was, like you said, mostly because of, now I can just say it was mostly because of Helm's Deep and the swords and yeah, the path of Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. I What I have nos- most nostalgia for with this specific film out of the three is you know i don't have my farmer's almanac on me but i believe the winter of 2003 and 2004 we had a shit shit ton of snow cold weather Mm. snow days i think like because we were in eighth grade and i my memory was we had like six or seven snow days or delays
1: yes it was like a constant state of are we going to school are we not going to school oh you have the whole week off
0: Yes, there there were I think a few instances of that. And for whatever reason my routine was help out with shoveling, and then it was watch the two towers, but not the entire movie. I would only watch the Aragorn Legolas Gimli path and I would skip everything else. Yeah. So when I rewatched this one, it's some of it is like, oh, I don't have like a crystal clear photographic memory of this particular sequence because I only watched those scenes and it, you can't even really do that with return of the king for whatever reason, it was just this movie that that worked well, uh, that, and that is the biggest difference with this movie. And then also return of the king, which I guess is probably the same for a lot of these types of movies. I was even thinking the original star Wars trilogy is similar in that the first movie, your core characters are together for much of the movie. And you really identify with them as a group, but then they go on separate missions in the subsequent movies. And that's definitely what happens in this case. So for me, again, nitpicky, the whole movie is obviously very good. The Hobbit characters are overall enjoyable, relatable characters, but I think they work better when they have, when they're in the fellowship and they have the protective figures along with them when they're kind of left to their own devices they're not as interesting to me, and I think those scenes are weaker. Both Sam and Frodo's story and Merry and Pippin's story.
1: Yeah, I, I think I disagree and agree with Sam and Frodo has the they have the benefit of having, you know, probably the best character Tolkien ever created. Yes, is it is in their Gollum, um, mm-hmm. but also this is the movie where you start to see that. They don't quite know exactly how to depict the rain's influence on Frodo. Um, Mm -hmm. this is kind of this is where the the sort of running joke starts of it's just it's very heavy, Sam. And it's sort of like, Yeah, but like what does that mean though? Like we gotta keep walking. Like what do you mean the rain is heavy? Sam
0: Sam, do you wanna see my O face? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just there's it's, a lot of that too, right? Where it's yeah. like he, he, the, the eyes roll in the back of the head. and it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not, it's not a performance thing. Elijah Wood is so good no. as Frodo, but it's because of the way they, Frodo is different in the books and the way they wrote him in the movies is as a, like a really nice, decent guy who slowly becomes basically a drug addict over the course of movies two and three. Uh, the rain becomes like a drug. Um, so and that's sort of th- that can get a little repetitive. But then there's Gollum. And Gollum's so wonderful and Sam really comes into his uh, he starts to come into his own in this one. He's not quite Samwise the Brave yet. That's f- they save that for the third movie. Um but you know, he has he his speech wraps up the whole movie. He's got that wonderful speech about there's good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Um but yeah, the Frodo Sam stuff is my least favorite stuff in the movie and really not even until it's it's them uh going to osgiliath where i'm where i now watching it at the time i'm just thinking yep this is this is where it happens they go to osgiliath and almost get kidnapped by uh the nazgul in the book they don't go to osgiliath um i'm getting too in the weeds here i'm gonna save this for later in our i'm, I'm, I'm gonna save this <laughs> Where I'm, I'm two in the dead marshes at the moment. Anyway, I really like the Marion Pippin, uh, the Marion Pippin stuff because I just find them hilarious. Like they're just, they have no idea what's going on. They just know that something must be done, and they have been saddled with the least deliberate, or no, the most deliberate, um, deliberative uh, beings in Middle Earth. I've I've always really liked their little story that. Saruman's the big villain of this film. Who's going to bring him down? Merry, Pippin, and the trees. I find that delightful. Um, And the Frodo and Sam stuff, Gollum's great, but I find it not as delightful. However, none of that matters because Aragorn, Gimli, Theoden, Legolas, Eomir, the Urukai, Yes. (laughs) Helm's Deep. Yes. It's what the movie's built around, and that was the correct decision. Helm's Deep is not an important thing in the book. It's just a thing they pass through on their way to the opening of the third movie for a movie. Peter Jackson's like, yeah, that's great. Our climax can't be a guy fighting a spider. It's gotta be a battle. We've been building up for now a film and a half about the war brewing. Let's show it. (laughs) And they show it. And it's, it's, you know, it's what everyone talked about. And, uh, People went to go see it just to see that battle. The second time I saw it was with my friend, uh, Dan Brenton, who was a nerd like me. And we went to go see it because we were nerds. And Sam Oizek, who thought all this shit was lame. He just wanted to see the battle. And when the movie ended, he'd been there for three hours. We said, well, was it worth it? And he said, yeah, that battle was fucking awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think the, the first time you see this movie, everything should work. I was particularly particularly impressed by the pacing in like the first act. Mm. I how quickly everything sort of re-established and set up for the handful of people who would see this and having not seen fellowship of the ring, they do a good job of introducing all of the different worlds and characters and predicaments. And yeah, the, the just the cutting from Saruman encouraging, you know, the the free folk to invade Edoras and well not Edoras but other surrounding area Weathertop what? no not Weathertop damn it no i it's mean eventually West- Edoras
1: yeah he wants them to to go yeah. all across Rohan and the West the Westfold that's and eventually what eventually Westfold make okay. your way to i like that you've called them the free folk you've been
0: you've been tormented out my game of thrones <laughs> yeah that was well that was an intentional yeah that one i that was deliberate it was deliberate uh, <laughs> that
1: was deliberate it was deliberate
0: all of that the pacing is i think excellent and, again, I'm getting nitpicky. It's not that I dislike the Frodo same stuff, but as you identify, there's a lot of, like, vagueness of, yeah, it's getting heavy, it's daunting, and when you start the movie, they're in rocks, and they're very close to Mordor. Mm-hmm. And the first movie ends with Mordor in sight. And then by the end of this movie, they're in a forest And Mordor is very close and in sight. So it seems like they get like derailed in this movie. Well, There's a lot of, I mean, I know they literally, but there's a lot of, um, I was thinking of Return of the Jedi a couple of times during this, and they do too many fake-out deaths in this movie too. There are essentially three fake-out deaths that I never really caught on to before. And I said, that's, I think they're doing this too much. So if we're counting Gandalf, okay gandalf we assume dies in the first movie yes and i even remember at the time i think we've talked about this maybe even in other episodes just marketing and revealing too much in trailers but my memory is one of the first trailers for this showed gandalf and yeah. the poster has gandalf on it, and ian mckellen is second build right and there was really no allusion to them hiding this big, this wasn't meant to be a big secret that Gandalf is not dead. And he returns in this movie. Most so, popular book movie. after
1: the Bible. I think they just figured everyone knows this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So, you know, the opening scene shows that pivotal moment in the first movie, again, a good opening for the handful of people who didn't see the first one. Really good opening. <laughs> and it's, and it's rule really good opening, which by the way, the special effects hold up remarkably well for everything related to the Balrog. There are a couple moments later where the visual effects are not as strong. Yeah. That opening with Gandalf falling down this, this, you know, this cliff with the Balrog of Margoth, which I learned, Morgoth, which I learned. Um, I always thought it was a location before, but when we talked about the rings of power, you corrected me on that, but yeah, excellent visual effects hold up very well. Cool opening. You think it's just, then it, cuts to Frodo. You think it's just a dream, very clever way to establish that both Gandalf's back and he's still top of mind to Frodo and this absence of the mentor character, excellent filmmaking and screenwriting right there. It's poetry. Uh, However, so, you know, then when we meet Gandalf, they do this stupid thing. I don't know if it bothers you. I hate that they do this. They twice do the fake out. The first time you see him, it's an over the shoulder shot. And then when they show him the second time they're doing the, they're hiding him with lighting and they're mixing Christopher Lee's voice with yes. emo- it's like who is that for he would not have done that the audience there's no suspense here we know it's Gandalf if you want to do some sort of voice modulation but i thought it was really lame to be trying to trick us out into thinking that it was Saruman
1: I think it's just they Peter Jackson and Ian McKellen and Fran Walsh and Phil Lebovianz have all spoken about the fact that, all due respect to Professor Tolkien, Gandalf the White is a boring character. <laughs> he is yeah. His, his he is, I mean, literally canonically, he is sent back, and his whole thing is, I don't have time. I only have time to give you exposition. That's all we have time for. I have to explain to you what is happening and then take you to the locations where it is going to happen. They, The third movie has the strength of it becomes the story of him and Pippin trapped in a besieged city. And then you get the old Gandalf back. You're like, this is the Gandalf I remember from the first movie. The two Towers. Gandalf is... Hardly in it because I think they just were like, "What do you do with this character?" Like, yeah, he's he, very dull. And Ian McKellen has said he didn't enjoy playing him, especially when making the scenes for the two towers. He was he was Basil exposition. He's just explaining, and the and they he's in it a lot more in the extended cut, and it's just more explaining because that's his function in the in the yeah. story. So they wisely used him sparingly. They have a great. He's got one great Gandalf scene where he um, draws. Badass. Yeah, he he draws uh, Saramon as he would uh, draw poison from a wound, and then um, he and then he fucks off, and then he
0: and then he leaves the movie, <laughs> and then he just and then he's like, "Yeah, I'm going." Yeah. Which was another thing I was thinking of. It's like if you, why would you send your the wizard? leader of the group to go on a mission to get more soldiers quickly. That seems like a job of a scout. It's he should have stuck around, but it's because like you he, said, knows everyone, right. he knows where everyone,
1: is. he knows where everyone is. He knows where everyone is. He knows how to convince everyone to do everything, but by, by having it all off screen, it works. Like we didn't, we, there's no need to see Gandalf finding a Amir's camp and convincing him to come to Helm's Deep. We don't need to see that. It's just much cooler if Aemir and Gandalf disappear for (laughs) almost all the movie and then appear at the end. And it's a great, like, it's just a great shot of them just charging down that impossible incline. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just just sort of, yeah, I mean, I think they did the best they could with Gandalf the White. He's a boring character. He does not get interesting until... Him and Pippin arrive at Minas Tirith.
0: Much meteor role in Return of the King for sure. Oh, but yes, yeah, yeah. So that's a fake out death, sort of. If we're you know get between oh, yeah. the two movies, but then in this they do the sequence with Merry and Pippin when they're when the ambush from the Rohirrim happens and Pippin looks like he's about to be trampled by a horse, cut away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No one really ever thinks they're dead, and then Aragorn falling off the cliff and being dead and then coming back. So they wished I would have, I would have snipped one of those two out me personally. And then the other thing that I was alluding to that return of the Jedi, uh, it was giving me return of the Jedi vibes was, I don't know what anyone's plan is in this movie. There's a lot of like shit just kind of happens. There's no, (laughs) the plot is not quite as clear. The plot is very clear in the first movie and it's very clear in the third movie. In this one, it's like Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are kind of like a Mad Max or a gunslinger character, except there's three of them, and they're kind of showing up conveniently to the country, to the to the people that need them the most. Mm-hmm. And like you said, then Gandalf kind of conveniently comes back in that moment to explain, ex, you know, to give all the exposition and point characters into the right direction. Mary and Pippin are gonna just go back to the Shire at one point, and Pippin's plan is actually, why don't you drop us off in a more dangerous spot, and we'll more sneakily go back to the Shire because well, there's no
1: as Treebeard says. Then again, you are very small, and <laughs> <laughs> and I get and
0: I and I get the humor in that that. Yeah. Mary and Pippin aren't our smartest characters or no. our most heroic. And that's no. sort of their arc, both of them, this one, it's more Mary. And then the next movie, it's a little, well, they both do, but Pippin gets a little bit more of like a, of a hero arc. But in this one, it's just kind of conveniently, Hey, you should actually drop us off closer. And Oh, now you're going to get motivation by seeing, well, all of the trees that you know that you're very offended when you were called a tree, but turns out your name's Treebeard. Well, and <laughs> you have a lot of friends that are trees. <laughs> what I've always liked is
1: that Pippin knows that's what's going to happen. Like, ooh, if, if, I, if if he takes us closer to Isengard, he'll see all the dead trees, I bet. We're taking the hobbits to Isengard? Yeah. And when he says, I'm sorry, Treebeard, I've always liked that because I've always interpreted that as he's saying, I'm sorry that all your friends die. But he's also sort of like... This is definitely a dick move. Like you guys decided not to. I'm I'm like using your grief to trick you into finally doing something. You think that's what he was doing, though? I think so. I think I think that's Pippin's okay. whole thing. Pippin's whole thing is he's he's an idiot, but he's actually kind of smart, you know? That's like the whole Pippin mm-hmm. thing. Is that he's he accidentally thinks Mary's overthinking it and yelling at them and giving them orders and they're just like, you're so small and you're so loud and you're so hasty. And Pippin's just kind of, it just occurs. To, like he's just sitting on Treebeard's branch and he's just like, Oh wait, take us to Isengard. Like he just, it occurs to him. I bet there's a bunch of slaughtered trees and I bet that'll hit home for Treebeard more.
0: Mm. Um, Okay, I thought it was. I never interpreted it as him manipulating Treebeard. I always thought he's it was not, sort of just happening. Not manipulating. Well, Treebeard. all right, that's that, just, that has a negative connotation to it. Uh, I, I didn't think of him planning this out. Let's yeah. say that
1: he's being a little shifty, which is unusual for a Hobbit.
0: Um,
1: mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I have always liked the directionless of the characters because it's so. And then I remember when I read the books, I remember feeling like oh this is like this is what the second movie feels like what th- they're just they have these missions. Well first of all they all had this quest. And it went to complete shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now they're like I don't know what to do. Um Frodo and Sam they obviously have decided to finish this themselves. So we can't help them. So we now need to rescue Merry and Pippin. So they go to rescue Merry and Pippin and that's gone complete to shit. They think they Merry and Pippin are dead. And they realize, oh, Merry and Pippin aren't dead. We have to go to Fangorn. And they realize, oh, they were rescued by Fangorn himself, Treebeard. And then they're like, well, that's, we got to figure something. What do we do now? Gandalf shows up to explain their purpose is to be here and get the trees all riled up so that they can take care of business in the south. And our purpose right now is to go to Rohan because you'll never guess it. But the pasty man with oily black hair, who is in a constant crouch uh, in a city filled with (laughs) golden-haired, rosy-cheeked, auburn, just Scandinavian, Celtic uh, horse warriors. That guy is up to no good.
0: (laughs) So we gotta go. The guy with the name... Dream of Wormtongue? Wormtongue,
1: yeah. He's a a villain? You'll (laughs) never guess it, but this guy who has no fucking eyebrows is a bad guy. Um, And I've kind of, I kind of, I like that sort of style of, you know, Gandalf returns to give them a little mission because he's he's Gandalf. He just appears and he's like, you are not needed here, you are needed here. And it's like, okay, I guess we're needed there. And even Frodo and Sam have the same thing. Take us to the black gate. They get to the black gate. And then when it actually comes time for them to go through the black gate, Gollum's like, You guys shouldn't go through the black gate. I know a secret passageway. And they're like, Why on earth are you telling us this now? And Gollum just genuinely is like, You didn't ask me. That's <laughs> like, a good well, answer. But that like, all. It's all. Everyone is just trying and failing to get where they want. Right. And. Then they get further derailed by uh, Faramir, who who decides to take them to Osgiliath, and so I've always liked, I've I've always liked that. I've always liked that the characters are just being like bounced around on this board because it allows us to see how everything in Middle Earth is going quite
0: poorly. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good narrative device to get all of these characters into the various. You know, we're really learning our first things about Gondor in this movie, yes. you know, we only hear Baramir talk about it a little bit, but especially all the, the main scenes that I'm thinking about, many of them are cut in the first one. They're part of the extended edition where they talk at length about Gondor. And then same with the second one, you know, that there were some scenes. So we should talk about this a little bit too, is Danny and I both watched a the theatrical today. The last couple times yes. I've seen it were theatrical, but there was a time as we discussed when we did fellowship, uh, I was only watching the extended edition. So it's funny watching it without those scenes. And I think the movie overall benefits from the cut, uh, by cutting those scenes, the theatrical cut is a better cut. Yeah. I think this one probably the most is a better film theatrical versus expanded edition. Maybe the first one. Um I think and I think we agree that the third is the best with the extended yeah, edition, but
1: no, nothing that's added in the first one makes anything that already existed any worse. It's just like a what kind of mood are you in? Do you want to see the gift giving in Leftlorian or do you not? Like it's just like that. Return yeah. of Kane so much of that should have been left in the movie. Like a huge improvement on a lot of different levels. This one, the extended edition of Two Towers, it's a mess. The the first yeah. part of the movie, the momentum is sucked out of it completely. Like it's, it's just, it takes so long to get to that point where Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas and Gandalf have arrived at at Edoras. It's like almost an hour and it, it, you're still just like, what is this movie? What is this movie about? This is taking way too long.
0: That was something I noticed more too, that the, the Mary Pippin and Sam, Frodo storylines especially are better in the theatrical version cuz the pacing is much better and they feel like good stories but the scenes felt extremely repetitive in the expanded edition of like they're just walking and getting more <laughs> misled and derailed and yeah Frodo this is getting heavy and Merry and Pippin sitting on the tree talking to treebeard it was just a lot of that like repetitive what suffers i think two characters suffer one more or so than the other but Eowyn, I think is the biggest victim of the expanded edition scenes missing yes watching it this time I'm like she's not even a character she is barely involved in this I remember the love triangle being much more of a of an element of these movies it's, it's not a love non-existent triangle. it's not a love triangle it's basically Aragorn like talks to her and she has a crush on him and then in the third movie she t- shoots her shot and is rejected. And that's really the end of it. But in the expanded edition, there are more scenes between the two. And we learn yeah. a little bit more about AON. And it feels like there's actually a chance that Aragorn is having feelings towards her. And in this, it's like not even, they literally, I think they have two scenes together. Yeah. And when Aragorn is presumed dead, Gimli goes up to her as if you You'll, know, you, like you it's you like the scene in Saving,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, it's like the scene in Saving Private Ryan when they go to Mrs. Ryan's house. You know, it's like you two you had a cup of coffee together. Like, the, come on, like yeah. you don't get this sort of reaction no. for Aragorn. Absolutely. I also there's a little bit of like the reverence that the people of Rohan have for Aragorn. I think is ill earned undeserved it's kind of well when he shows back up they're like oh he's back it's like that you don't even know who this guy is he's just kind of been traveling with you it's a holdover from the book that the people of
1: rohan are so happy to see the heir of numenor return
0: numenor right
1: and so because that's in the book he aragorn literally doesn't stop saying that (laughs) (laughs) the aragorn of the book has no doubt no self-doubt He's, he's not grappling with anything. He is the, he is, I am the heir of Numenor. I am such a big deal. Look at my sword. So the people of Rohan are like, we need you. Like, of course we need you. Like you need to be part of all of our wars and battles. Like you're so essential to this. So they kind of kept that of them sort of liking him and being impressed by him, but Again, as far as they're concerned, he's the filthiest man they've ever seen with disgusting unwashed brown hair. And he just sort of shows up with an elf and a dwarf and a wizard, and they like from the from their perspective, it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Um but maybe they just And they're all traveling
0: it. with Theoden. It's Yeah. It's like they're all just immediately like key generals, so, lieutenants, whatever. I mean, that's, that's perhaps why.
1: They're like, well, Theoden seems to have really trusted him immediately. Um, And we, you know, we trust Theoden or whatever. Um, That's a thing I I like that never got communicated in the movies, because it's like, how do you fit this in? But in the book, Aemir and Aragorn, like, fall in love at first sight. Like, Aemir meets Aragorn and he's like, bro, you're the coolest guy I've ever met. (laughs) And Aragorn is like, bro, you're like the nicest guy I've ever met. And they're like, I cannot wait to fight alongside you. And they're like, I can't wait to fight alongside you. And when Aragorn goes to the past <laughs> of the dead, Aemir is like, bro, you're, I can't believe you're doing this to me. And Aragorn's like, bro, I, I got to do it to you. And it's just like, but how do you, how do you, like, that doesn't, like, you can't really, like, they're just buddies. Like, it, it works enough.
0: Um, yeah. I really yeah. want to see that version that you just described, though. Like, yeah, I, I just, want that now. Bro. Bro, like what? Carl Urban uh as his boy Billy Butcher character, that's sort of yeah, like <laughs> reacting to if he saw Erba, he'd be like, no, that's a man. Like that's yeah. a that's a man you want to fight with.
1: And we know what words he'd be using to talk about Green Werbtell. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, well, well. That ain't the invisible cunt. Can I just quick segue I for many years had never seen him in anything. And in the last five, six, seven years, I I've seen all of the Chucky movies. So his voice acting at least, and which are much better than I thought. Like even the bad ones are enjoyable. Delightful. Yeah. Delightful. That Friday, uh, a nightmare on Elm street and the Chucky movies are, are very, are like very entertaining. I was super surprised by how much I enjoyed all of them. Yes. Uh, that aside, and then the uh, Exorcist three. Uh, ah, he has an excellent X Files episode. Yes, and of course a, an excellent Fringe episode as well. Yes. So he, I've now seen him in all these things, and what a what a treasure! Oh um, yeah, he
1: literally plays me, the same character great every single yeah. time, except for yeah. in Deadwood. In Deadwood, he plays a whole he plays a completely different type of guy. But in everything else, he is a incredibly intense extremely sweaty <laughs> like he's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> very sweaty very sweaty yes and wormton is he's a great character he's just immediately yeah. suspicious like that scene where he slinks when Theodred has died and he's like oh he must have died sometime <laughs> during right. the night it's like yeah i wonder who poisoned him like <laughs> seriously like he is the most I love that. I love that there's this that they have to Theoden's mind is so far gone that no one can convince him that this clearly evil man mm-hmm. is up to is up to no good. I think that's a great yeah. um I think that's a great uh, little touch. But I yeah, Eowyn, a- she gets shafted in the theatrical cut. She makes an impression and then of course she's
0: getting me back.
1: Yeah, she gets shafted. She makes an impression though, because um, she's you know Miranda Otto's a very good uh, actress and she's yeah. she's gorgeous. And then she shows up in the yeah. third one and makes a much stronger impression. Has a much like more to much dig better it. role.
0: Um, yeah, yeah they, and they she cut is out a very good.
1: They cut out so much. They cut out that Theodrid's funeral scene where she sings. They they mm-hmm. they cut out yep. her making like the disgusting soup for Aragorn. Um, like they also cut out a lot of the. Um, Aragorn and Arwen flashback where it becomes pretty explicit that on the day he left Rivendell, he essentially broke up with Arwen meaning we're done. So it makes sense that he would then entertain the idea yes. of, of taking up a new life with Awin, Cause he, as far as he's concerned, is like, I broke up with her message received. She's, she's going to go to the undying lands with uh, her dad. Um, and I might maybe have this new life with this, with, um with Eowyn, which then, then it's almost like, okay, good. You cut out the soup scene because he's 86. If you watch the soup scene,
0: I like the, just, I like the soup scene. I think that's maybe the scene I most want back in the movie. Cause I, I love that scene. I just wish, yeah. I just
1: wish they didn't make official. What's in the books is that Aragorn's 86. It's like that. Doesn't, they that's could, that's not going to translate cut that line out.
0: Yeah. That line is not an- necessary uh but the everything else the characterization is great that it's this is not damsel in distress princess character she's a horrible cook she (laughs) but she's awkward around people she's a spider like she she has all these different characteristics than most of those types of characters
1: oh i also like the fact that she's not a damsel in distress at all. Like, I don't think she's ever in peril in any of these movies No, beyond just the normal fighting people.
0: Well, when you're fighting the witch yeah. king of yeah, that. Yeah. That's a We would all be in peril, but, but like we would all be,
1: she is a bad cook because she's like a princess. She doesn't know how to cook. She has servants to do mm. for her. So I love the mm. idea of like, Oh, we're roughing it. I'm going to, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make my own little stew for my new, my new fella. And it's, just, it's disgusting. It looks disgusting. And Aragorn can barely keep it down, but he's just so polite that he finishes the whole thing while she just stands there. Uh, I, yeah, it's a great scene. And they cut it. Yeah. So, and
0: Gimli loves it. Oh, I love Gim- that too. That Gimli is like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's, I couldn't. So many <laughs> night- yeah. great little character moments, but. Yeah. And then the other character, thank you for getting me back on track too. So Eowyn at least is a little bit redeemed. And so is this next character Faramir also oh, fall, yeah. uh, falls a little short with the cut scenes because there's a lot more about his pic- bigger picture political uh, situation within Gondor and his obviously relationship with Baramir. And yeah, in this movie, he just kind of, he just like shows up and... He maybe says one line of dialogue or two and then we have uh, Kate Blanchett is now like referring to him in the scene between Elrond and Galadriel. She's like, oh, with this captain of Gondor. And it's like, I didn't even know that that was Gondor. Like, who is this guy that we just met for one quick scene? It, it's And yeah, you don't really get what his deal is and his relationship with his father is also, of course, very important. So I, maybe the second scene I wish was put back in the movie is everything with Gondor, the flashback.
1: Or at the very least, they should not have cut his beautiful speech that he gives at the end of the uh, ambush in, um, Ithilien.
0: Oh yes. I think it's what, what ends the disc. Exa- the, uh, yes. You're bound to an errand of secrecy. Those that claim to oppose the enemy would do well not to hinder us. The enemy. His sense of duty was no less than yours, Adeep. You wonder what his name is, where he came from.
1: And if he was really evil at heart, what
0: lies or threats led him on this long march from home? He would not rather have stayed there in peace. War will make corpses
1: of us all. Find their hands. Uh, they cut so much of him, and I think that's why a lot of book fans call him Filmamir. Because in the book, this is why this is, these were the weeds I was about to drown ours in three hours ago when we started this podcast. Okay. In the book, they get to Athelion, the Rangers rescue them, they bring them to their secret cave. Um, Henneth Noon, thats the name of the secret cave. I know that. Oh my god! Um, oh my god! <laughs> and Faramir finds out what their mission is, and he's like, "Any way I can help you guys, it will be my pleasure." And he is the most mm. helpful person because he is Tolkien. His speech about war is—he to- is just a Faramir is a Mary Sue. He is an author insert character of a guy that's just the best. And I get that That that's very meaningful for generations of book readers. However, if your movie trilogy is about how the rain corrupts everything it comes into contact with, if a character halfway through your second movie says what he says in the book, which was, I would not pick this thing up if it lay by the side of the road, not even to save Gondor. It's like, all right, well, then give him the ring. (laughs) He can be trusted with it. It completely, yeah. it completely undercuts the power of the rain. So I understand them making him a bit more sinister and possessed mm-hmm. of the same weakness of Boromir. And then that, that so then they have to invent this story of Osgiliath where he sees how Ron he is and then he makes this decision. Send them on their way. And then there's that wonderful moment where Sam's like, you have proved your worth. And, you know, he, you realize Faramir is stronger than Boromir because he did yeah. the thing that Aragorn did. He was able to send them away. Right. But none of that's in the two towers. You don't have the scene of Boromir and Faramir after taking back the city and they're in such good moods. And then it all gets ruined because their awful dad shows up with his, <laughs> with his nonsense and, and then Boromir has to leave. And then, you know, they never see each other again. Like, it's a shame that scene got cut. I totally get why it was cut. It would
0: completely, like, grind the movie to a halt. It, it, it def, the pacing would... And it does stop in yeah. even the expanded edition. So I, I I agree. Maybe there could have been a truncated version or something. But it um, all
1: goes back to their their mantra, which was, this is the story of Frodo in the ring, and the B-plot is Aragorn becoming the king of Gondor. And mm-hmm. they were pretty, they were pretty brutal about what they yeah. were cut to make that story ring clearest.
0: No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, like Tom Bombadil, right? No, Tom Bombadil. Am I no, saying that name right? No, Tom Bombadil. No, no. Nope,
1: nope, yep. none of him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I did read these books and I've, I liked them a lot, but I read them yes. like as the movies were coming out. So I haven't read them in, you know, 18 years now, whatever it is, by the time I read all three. Um, and some of that does sound familiar. I remember Helm's Deep being like a blip on the radar, like a passing moment. It's a, it's moment a not being, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So again, as we've praised Jackson and the screenwriters, they did such a remarkable job of adapting these works. Like they did it right. They made things more theatrical when they needed to be like giving Faramir that character arc. And they continued the trend of what they did really well in the... I think I'm done nitpicking. I'm going to stop nitpicking this excellent, nearly perfect movie. Um, other than saying there was one other... Oh, oh, when I was talking about um, no one having a great plan, the other one is just Frodo blindly trusting Gollum over and over again. I get at least that makes sense of, you know, we clearly Frodo is seeing what he could become in Smeagol slash Gollum. I also love that his real name is like just as evil sounding as his evil name. Smeagol Smeagol's an evil name. Smeagol doesn't sound Yeah, yeah name it should have been like Johnny or something Johnny. like that. You know, it should have Yeah, Johnny. Yeah, it's we that name. I'm like, that sounds worse. That's more evil. Frodo has a
1: good heart. That's why Frodo's the hero, because he's just a good hearted, yep. kind man um, who is undertaking a quest that's way too big for him. And yep. he he's only getting through it because of his best friend and uh, for for a while this little frog creature, yeah, who's very obliged. No, and,
0: and I I liked that arc too of Smeagol getting rid of Gollum. Yeah. Uh, You know, again, it's a little crazy that Frodo's trusting this schizophrenic uh, (laughs) ever, you know, immortal now being that's living off of its uh, passion for the ring. But on the other hand, that was a good little arc. And you maybe were seeing, I like that it was like an inverse redemption arc. Yes. That you see a possible path to redemption and then a misunderstanding. It wasn't Frodo's doing, but Gollum thinks he's betrayed. And then there is no redeeming him by the third film. He's he's just consumed by the ring, as is Frodo, basically. So yes, I thought about that with like Kylo Ren and how we wish that didn't, you know, that didn't become the redemption arc. That Sometimes
1: sort of thing. people yeah. are lost, and that's just you can't get them back. Yeah, and that's Sam's thing from the very beginning. He's run by accident for like a couple weeks of their journey because because Go- Smeagol gets rid of Gollum. Uh, but the yeah. second he's traumatized again, of course, Gollum comes back and mm-hmm.
0: takes and
1: mm-hmm. takes control. And then something I like about the third movie is you almost get the sense that Smeagol is actually much more sinister than Gollum. Like, yeah, which is a great true. little twist that they bring in the third movie. But yeah, Sam is right immediately. He's like, we really can't trust this
0: guy. <laughs> he's, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> now, he's a little he's a little uh, direct and unsympathetic. And impatient. yes yes uh so that's so that's good contrast too where you can kind of see both sam is being such a dick about it that you're like man you gotta maybe give this guy a chance but frodo's then so blindly like yeah we're just gonna we're gonna just completely follow your new plan that you didn't tell us about you're a little bit shady about but then you're right we never directly asked you if there was an alternate alternative route so here we are
1: Going in through the black gate is suicidal. Like, a, like, oh, that's yeah. such a bad idea. So yeah. And then yeah. the thing that's the thing. Gollum, Gollum does get it done. He just, you know, that's that Tolkien thing. It all happens. It's just not the way anyone necessarily plans on it. Plans on it happening exactly. Um yeah. It's a good thing Bilbo so, didn't kill Gollum all those years ago because he needs to be around to fuck up and complicate and ultimately lead to the the correct, uh, solution. Uh, but yeah, I like the dynamic of Frodo. He's terrified of like, am I going to become like this? And I have to believe that if I do become like this, that I can still be like a, a person or, or still have some sort of like happiness. And Sam is just, he's, you know, he's Sam is a, is a simpler person. Like he's a simpler guy. And he's like, yeah I, I get that, but like yeah he's gross and, and clearly evil <laughs> and that's you know that's the charm of Sam's character is that he's not it's not that he's stupid it's just that he's he's a he is a simple uh gardener he he does not he he simply wants to protect his his friend frodo, and he does not see how this sinister, clearly lying creature serves that purpose but frodo. Again, is the hero. He's got a kind heart. He has spent hours talking with Gandalf and Bilbo. He has the sense that, well, I'm not just gonna kill him. Like, he's pathetic. Like he is pathetic. Yeah. Like I can't kill him. Like look at him. He's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. And Frodo's reaction to that is I can fix him. And Sam's reaction to that is, yeah, that sucks. Let's please just leave him. <laughs> and yeah. not and not try to fix him.
0: Yep. Yeah, just like Green Worm Tongue isn't murdered either. They like he's just <laughs> so pathetic and but yeah, so done with my complaints. Uh what this movie does very well, just like the first movie does. I wish this one had maybe more Saruman in it. There was less Saruman than I remembered. I think you see him a lot. He doesn't talk. He's just like a he's just a presence, which Christopher Lee's face is so expressive that you can kind of get away with that. But this movie does do a very good job of creating sub villains or mischievous characters without that like central antagonist, since you don't have the Sauron exactly. physical. Yeah, with Grima, uh what you do get from Saruman uh the the Urokai. We talk about how much we the, this movie is the Uruk yeah. movie. There are so many quotable lines. I just thinking of how many times I've said in my life, looks like meats back on the menu, boys. And we ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for free. Stinky yeah. days. Yeah. So many okay, great we quotes. We have
1: some meats.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those, th- Those were
0: drops. Those are very good.
1: Ugluk, the leader of the Urakai, who obviously was the second in command before alerts, just went on a fucking rainer and just killed that guy. Ugluk is so professional. (laughs) I like him. I'm I'm on his side. He (laughs) is, he is, this movie, the other reason to, they are not for for eating. eating. They go to (laughs) Salamon, alive and unspoiled. (laughs) He is my, one of my favorite characters in all of Lord of the Rings. Just his professionalism, his, his (laughs) stick-to-itiveness. He is, he is in a tough situation. He's doing the best he can. Um, I really respect him. He probably thought Lertz was a was a, Lertz was crazy. He's probably thinking to himself, like, why did Lertz kill that guy so many times? Like he was dead the first time. <laughs> he just left us. I don't know what to do now. I guess I'm in charge. I'll take it from here. Yeah, this movie has so many new characters that have become like some of my favorite. Lord of the Rings characters, Agluk is one of them. (laughs) Gollum, even though he is in the first one, but not really. Mm -hmm. Gollum Mm -hmm. in his full glory is in this one. You get the full Andy Serkis majesty, Um, and uh, Tree Theoden. Oh, no! Theoden is like maybe my favorite character. Um, Treebeard, fucking love Treebeard. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Aemir. I like Green Wormton. I like Gambling, Theoden's little uh, second-in-command, who just helps him get yeah, dressed. Yeah. Um, yep. I like all... There's a lot of great little side characters. That disgusting wargrider who just... Just the idea of a person's friend being dead is just hysterical <laughs> to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> he just finds that Yeah, and they're like, delightful. you're lying, and then he has... The 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 jewel—it's perfect. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's a good, just he's a good foil. Sp- good, good.
1: Buttering disgusting black orc bile as he's just like <laughs> took a little tumble. Off the cliff. <laughs> like it's just there. I love it. The orcs are just these disgusting Cockney. Maggots <laughs> that, that that hate everything.
0: <laughs> this is their standout performance. They're like a comedic act. Like oh, in the first they're one, so they're good. extremely sinister. There's really they're no. They're they're just monsters. There's no element of humor. There's a little bit of it in the Return of the King when they all fight in um, Barador or in Mordor wherever well, they yeah, are. Yes, um, there's
1: the there's the orcs and the Uruks, and they don't the they don't get a line. Yeah, and of course Return yeah, of the King has. But, the greatest character in Lord of the Rings, Gothmog, who is my favorite orc of all time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it begins. It's, it's a remarkable sequence. It's one of those that at 12 years old, the first time I saw it, just feeling like it was already a part of like my entire life. Like I've already seen it three, 4,000 times. And I love that shortly after the film was a film it was already the gold standard of battle sequences and like used as a template and studied like the first um or excuse me the final season of game of thrones when they were going into the battle of winterfell between all of the all the various uh kingdoms versus the the white walkers and the director and all the crew talked about how they didn't want battle fatigue and it's like how do we balance this what's the right approach and they would watch the two towers and they would watch the home's deep sequence now that had the benefit the two towers this is where having all of the disparate storylines benefited is you kind of occasionally take a break from that and breathe and check in with mary and pippin or frodo and sam and it doesn't derail the momentum because it cuts that like exactly when you're like oh but i Oh, but i wanted more and then they go back to it and then you're back it's like it never like you said it never goes on for it doesn't feel like it's going on for too long it doesn't overstay its welcome it shifts locations enough even within the fight so it's a it's a siege you know a lot of the key elements of what happens in a yeah. siege sort of thing uh it is a fantastical world but for the most part they keep everything really grounded to ladders and arrows and all of that shit. it's
1: it's perfect so it's get, like yeah there's the deeping wall. There's the battle to hold
0: the wall. Mm-hmm. Then that gets blown up by the first. It's like you know the biggest fucking by the fucking the kamikaze guy. <laughs> yeah. That's still like one of my favorite things. That yeah. they even get. They're like, we got our top guy, Legolas. You take that guy down, and he can't, can't do it because do it. he's well, a berserker. Awesome.
1: He's a he's a crazy yeah. uh, berserker. And then you then you you watch like the special features of the movie. And this is not in the movie, but they would put. Orc blood makeup in the helmets. The idea being that when they put those helmets on, cause those helmets are really small on their heads and they're obviously shaved. The idea being that they put these helmets on and they're just like stuck in these helmets with just the f- smell of blood and it makes them fucking nuts. And that's why they're so insane because they're just filled with like this mm. bloodlust. And it's like, see, that's the kind of detail that all these insane New Zealanders put into this movie. Like, No one ever saw that, but the actors saw that and were told that, which is why all the berserkers in this movie look insane because they were told Mm -hmm. like, you are like basically like a Nazi on meth right now. Like you're just like fucking killing everything (laughs) that you get your hands on. Um, Uh Theoden, there was a thing on the inside of his armor, like a special heraldic thing. And he's the only one that ever saw it, but it made him feel, he's like, I am a king. Like, Mm. this is part of my outfit. I am a cane, all these little details, but yeah, the, the, the battle
0: help with the performance.
1: Absolutely. The battle starts on the wall. The wall gets blown up. They pull back to the keep. They hold the keep as long as they can. The keep gets breached. Now they're just in the hall. They're just in basically the throne room and it's the end. It's, it's, you know, totally hopeless and then the light comes through gandalf returns and then there's the charge out like it just it it it's so perfectly structured in terms of up and down and up and down and there's a lot of good humor dotted mm-hmm. throughout it with the that breaks it up too yeah gimli and legolas uh their competition to to who can kill the most orcs there's that great shot it just pans away from the wall and you just hear 21 22, 22. <laughs> yeah it's it's great yeah but then by the time by the time that it's uh dawn and they have to charge out there are no more jokes no more quips people stop making jokes and being funny Gimli gets very serious again he becomes you know the dwarf he knows that he cannot participate in a horse charge, so he's like, I will blow the horn because that's what I'll be good at. And it's just the tone, the tonal shifts, and it becomes almost, like, biblical. You know, yeah. like, armies coming down the mountain to, like, wash away the darkness, and it's just, it's just such a perfect, it is the gold standard for for a mm-hmm. film battle. Um, they didn't top it on the battle of winterfell episode i've always had a soft spot for that battle however i would love it if i had seen more of it um that's my biggest problem with Mm -hmm. that episode is just Mm -hmm. the lighting decisions they made but people have complained about the tactics on that the tactics in helm's deep they make about as much i mean what like you you can you can pick apart the tactics of helm's deep the thing about helm's deep is that it was made by better filmmakers and yes, that's why it works.
0: Right. The
1: reason you don't care that they're charging out and leaving hundreds of urukai undealt with is because you don't care, because the music is swelling and you're just so mm. happy to see the sun and the heroes are taking back ch- taking back control of the battle. The reason that all the tactics in the Battle of Winterfell stand out is because you're squinting and you can't make out what's happening and you know there's all this sort of baggage of previously disappointing episodes in in your in your head. So, Helm's Deep I still think is the gold standard for how to do a battle on film. I mean, there's lots of good battles in movies, but this is just like Peter yeah, Jackson Yeah, nothing comes close. Yeah, Peter Jackson said t- Zulu was a huge inspiration, the build up, the dread the release and then making sure the battle takes place in different locations to make it interesting Mm -hmm. for the audience. Something he is really good at doing. He understands, he knows how to make battles interesting.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of good camera work too, where you, you have the big establishing shots, but then the camera stays still when you're more focused on characters and you clearly see everything that's happening uh, they don't do any of the shaky cam bullshit that became a trend shortly after these movies came out. Like the camera is left alone. You see, yeah, it, I know it's not the most important thing in a film, but it's like, it's pretty awesome when Legolas drops that shield down and goes down the stairs and just, yeah, listen, lays out people. Like it, it's, there's, it's nice to have, it's like, I like good choreography when it's done well. And when you've earned it, like the, this movie has been so good on a story and character level that, you can just allow for some show showing off and have some it's, fun.
1: It's a movie. I, all the Tolkien yep. diehards hate that. And it's like, well, wait till you see battle of the five armies. Cause you're going to miss the days when it was just Legolas sliding down a shield.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that yeah.
1: works because it's like, he needs to get down the stairs quick. What would he mm-hmm. do? He, you know, he'd surfboard. That's yeah. what he'd yeah. do.
0: I like to. You mentioned that Gimli decides to blow the horn. They had established twice he fell off a horse two different times in yes. this movie, leading he up hate, to that. He hates horses, so, he's and you didn't. He, yeah, and you didn't need to have a moment where he explains that. It's, we saw it visually, you know. Yes, it's also pretty badass when Legolas. Something that does hold up well because in the third movie, a lot of Legolas stuff does not hold up well CGI, but it's pretty badass when he's just shooting all the orcs, or excuse me, oh yeah, the orcs and the wargs, and then he gets onto the horse with Gimli. That's cool. I like that. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's the thing. I, I was like,
0: surprised. I thought that looked faker. It looked better than I remembered it. It looks pretty it good. Today.
1: It looks pretty good. Yeah, it
0: looks pretty and good. And it's a background yeah.
1: thing. That's what's so cool about it, is that it's yeah, not...
0: Yeah, it's right. It's right. a background thing. Um, yeah.
1: They were just like, oh, shit, how do we get Orlando back on the horse? Just do a CGI thing where he
0: twirls. Just do a cool little... Yeah,
1: like the work thing. attack. Totally invented for the film, but it's good because it it, yep. it hammers home how uh, imperiled the Rohirrim are. Yes. And um, that they're being hunted and that Théoden that is so, like, he has to leave the dead. Like, he's just, like, you can tell that he knows, like, this. I, I don't want to leave all these corpses here. But we just have to, we're, like, really desperate. This is, like, our last stand. One of my favorite aspects about his character is he just wants to die now. He's wasted his yeah. old age. And so he's just travels. He's looking for a good and honorable death. And that's what he wants. And so, yeah. And his arc is kind of learning when it is appropriate. Like, don't just carelessly throw your life away, like throw it away for the right reason. And, um, you know, he's, he's so despondent in, in that last part of the battle. Uh, he has that line of, you know, what can men do against such reckless hate? Like he's like given up basically, and then Arag- it sounds like he's
0: drunk when he delivers that line. He Did do you does. ever notice that? Yes. What can men do? Such reckless height.
1: Maybe he is. He's been drinking some mead. I don't know.
0: Maybe. Maybe.
1: And Aragorn says, why don't we charge them? And he's saying that because he knows, like, oh, this will pay off. Gandalf's about to arrive. And I bet he got A. I bet that's what his plan was. Théoden hears that, and he's like,
0: yeah! <laughs> I was gonna. So <laughs> thank you. You reminded me about one of my other plan things. Did Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli forget that Gandalf said he was coming at this point? Because they never talk about it. Or I know it's from an audience perspective. It's they just didn't better. It's like forget.
1: Oh. I just think like in the heat of battle, they they weren't thinking about that. But I think it it hits Aragorn in that moment. He was like, "It is the third day. Gandalf doesn't lie. He said he would be." here at dawn on the on the third day or the fourth i can't remember what the the dawn on the fourth day so i think he's like you know what i think we should leave i don't think we should wait to get killed in here i think we should leave i think he has a sense that i don't know what gandalf has up his sleeve but maybe it's that he went to get a men or you know gather the other marshals right but of course they just wants to die now he's like that that's that's a cool way to die (laughs) (laughs) he's just he's so excited at yes i would love to die defending uh my keep that's like that's the best way to go and so another little example of uh, character not being manipulative but using the characters to uh, not their weaknesses i don't know what the word is but it's just like aragorn has faith in gandalf pippin has faith in you know, that tree beard when he sees all the dead roots and branches that he will get pissed, which by the way, I said in the last, that my favorite shot in the first movie is, um, Mr. Butterbur, um, hiding under his, his like table while the Nazgul, uh, come past him. Yeah. And he's got this yeah. look of like, what the fuck is in my house right now? <laughs> like, he's terrified. Yep. He's never been anywhere close to something so evil. And he's just so, I love that shot. It's so good. My favorite shot in this movie are the Ents mm-hmm. marching.
0: That's one of the most beautiful pieces of music in this score. And that was another thing that reminded me of Return of the Jedi. This is a more positive. I was thinking about, you know, the most, the least likely of beings ends up being victorious over this like industrial superpower, so sort of like the Ewoks defeating the Empire, this was a better version of it. I loved seeing yes. fucking trees take out. And I love that they go in when it's basically unoccupied yeah, too. I thought exactly. that was kind of neat. But like Saruman is so fixated on taking out Rohan that he leaves himself essentially defenseless yeah. and is, is not even thinking of this potential enemy that he's pissed off. I do wonder if he, being a wizard, could have perhaps tried to do something instead of just well instead of just looking out at all the, I, th- the that wizards, all, all of these movies the, are a little bit with the, the wizards.
1: wizards in middle earth have very vague <laughs> powers well they're kind of like a
0: doisex machina too yeah. it's like if they can just do anything at any point it's that's not fun narratively he's, so I,
1: I he's not holding his staff at the moment and i think the staff is like a huge part of wizard magic and he doesn't have his staff I
0: told you to to take take the the wizard stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can recite that entire scene. I'm not going to do it right now. But I can recite. I
0: bet you could.
1: That entire scene of Theoden getting uh, exorcised. It's one of my favorite things to do uh, at almost all all times. But, yeah, I think also the thing about Sauron, too, is that he's a coward.
0: Like he is a coward. So, he goes back into his yeah. tower. Yeah. I wish we had seen him, him
1: again in the third movie, but that's a, that's a yeah. conversation for next year. Yeah. But yeah, I think Saruman's yeah. a coward. He he I think also it's like he's like, Oh shit, yeah, the Ents, the oldest things in Middle Earth that I've been pissing off for years now. I think his wizardness comes back for a moment. And he's like, There really is no winning against this, so I'm just gonna close my doors. And yeah. hide until until something. I think he just realizes like, oh yeah, I was pretty arrogant about this. But, and the ants are absolutely going to just wash all this away. And that's a great that's a great sequence. Just the ants having a blast, yeah. just throwing
0: The one orcs. that's on fire. Oh. I love the one that's on fire. And then he goes into the water when the when the so dam's good. broken. That's Tr- great. Tree Beard's just laughing as the river comes. Yeah. He
1: just starts to giggle and he just tells the hobbits like, Hold on, this is gonna be awful. Um, it yeah. took me forever to realize that John Rhys Davies is Treebeard and Gimli. Yeah, I always yeah. love yep. finding that out. Um, yeah, it, it it it's it's not as perfect as Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. It's not. It doesn't have that perfect like three act structure that the first one did. It makes adaptation choices that definitely work better for some characters and work a lot less for other characters. But the decision to to make the climax Helms Deep and not what the climax of Two Towers the book is, which is Shelob, like the decision to make Helms Deep the climax and pair that with an event in Osgiliath and the sack of Isengard. That's a really good. I think that's a really good idea. Like I think that really really works. Um, and that's the strength of the movie is that it's, it builds to this first big confrontation between good and evil and good wins. Yep. And then it has that great ending where it's like Gandalf is like not even close to being done. <laughs> like, yeah, like a war is about to break out and we, we probably aren't going to win it. <laughs> and, rem- and then that reminder of, I just hope Frodo and Sam can get to Mount Doom. Otherwise, because otherwise all this has been a complete waste of time.
0: Yeah, it does the good sequel thing, the middle part of a three-act or a three-picture yeah. trilogy of despair. We we haven't even really used that word yet, but this movie is filled with dread and despair and hopelessness, and we are so outmanned. Yes. There is no way we can... In, but by that third act, with all those three storylines converging it establishes some sense of hope even though like you said Gandalf ends with you know there's still a lot of work to do there's still a lot of shit that could go wrong but yeah it definitely feels the most hopeless like whenever they you know they give they even pick 300 that must be a reference to the 300 Spartans I think Mm. the 300 you know um, Rohirrim against 10,000 Urukai. yeah so everything just feels lost like how can how can Frodo and Sam get into Mount Doom and destroy the ring and How can Rohan survive against Isengard? And how can Gondor survive against Mordor? It so it's it feels like the second part, the darkest part of a of a three-act structure um, that I know every trilogy doesn't follow, but most of our favorites do. So the good ones delivers on that. And it's all anchored with that
1: great speech from Sam about why, you know, why it matters that even though all of this sucks, we still have to keep we have to keep going. It's very Norse. It's very that, like, yes, we're doomed, but come on, live a little. Like, you gotta...
0: It's very Rudy. I love Yo, that they yes. gave the sports, <laughs> the sports speech to Rudy. Very Rudy. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an entitled little shit Rudy is.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Stupid facts, homies. Yeah, so our minor criticisms aside, and I ultimately prefer Fellowship, but all three of these movies are tremendous they're the most makes sense that they're so close in quality that they were essentially made at the same time filmed at the same time and all of that and having the same creative team but yeah this one will hold a special place in my heart primarily for the the aragorn story that's this is the movie that i really fell in love with him as a character and you know his two companions as well they really come into their own in this movie and yeah, I think this is maybe still my second favorite. I don't know. Sometimes this teeters between this and Return of the King. But again, they're all very good. And if you haven't seen these in a while, you should watch them. If you're really into these and you haven't ever seen the extended editions for whatever reason, I I recommend them. But yeah. I think especially for these first two, the pacing and the tightness is strong in the theatrical editions. But if you love it and want to learn a little bit more about the characters, like we said, like Aowen and Faramir, then check out the expanded edition as well. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I want to sell you death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.